do want to thank you for your giving, for your faithfulness. Man, God has been so good to us as a church family, and I thank you for the faithfulness that you have that enable us to do things that we do all over the community, all over the world. Uh, God, is, God is using you literally all over the world because you're giving. And thank you for that. You can give in the box in the back. You can give online. You can give in the app. You can text to give. The number's in the bulletin there. Um, so, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're in the last message of a series called Win the Day. This is based on a book by a pastor named Mark Batterson. A great, great book. If, if you want to find it, you can get it on Amazon or any of those places, local stores. It's just a great book. And it's about how to win every day, how to, how to accomplish God's plan in your life by building daily habits. And so we've talked about forgetting things that are in the past. We've talked about uh, allowing God to, to write our story, to rewrite our story. We've talked about using time wisely. We've talked about learning from hardships. Um, and so today we're going to talk about um, seeding the clouds. We're going to talk about seeding the clouds. Um, so... I love this story. In November 13, 1946, a propeller plane, a single propeller airplane, took off from Schenectady County Airport. And he had six pounds of dry ice in this thing. Now, this scientist had been messing around in his freezer, and he opened the door of his freezer, and he breathed, and the condensation formed little ice particles in his freezer. And he said, I wonder if I could do that in the atmosphere. I wonder if I could make it snow. So his name was Vincent Schaefer, and so... He seeded man-made clouds of dry ice. So he went up and he let out this dry ice, and the dry ice made a chemical reaction that caused snow crystals to form in the cloud. And so he dumped out this dry ice, and this snowstorm was so big, it was visible 40 miles away. This guy made it snow by dropping ice into the atmosphere. Pretty cool, right? And so the newspaper had this funny article that said, uh, you know, uh, he made it rain, tomorrow he's going to walk on water. He didn't, obviously. Uh, but he seeded the clouds. But how do you even know back in 1 Kings chapter 18, a prophet prayed that it would rain, and God did. He kind of seeded the clouds to make it rain. Um, so 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Now, you know that God told Elijah to pray that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for over three years. And so he saw the king Ahab, and the king said, oh, you're the troublemaker of Israel. And he said, no, no, that's you and your evil wife. You guys are the troublemakers. Um, but listen to what he said in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you have the Uversion Bible app, you hit that events or that more tab and the events button. All the notes are in there for you. But Elijah said they had get something to eat and drink because I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. And I remember it hadn't rained in over three years at this point. Right? He said, I hear it's going to rain. It hadn't rained for years. Why is it going to rain now? But God told him that it was going to rain. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. What do you think he was praying? For rain, right? Then he said to his servant, go out and look towards the sea. The servant went and looked, and he returned and said, I don't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Now, I love this part. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. That's fast. That was between 15 and 30 miles he ran. And we got some fast cross-country runners in the room, but I don't think they could do that. 
I was going to show a scene from Chariots of Fire, you know, but I didn't. I didn't want to get into copyright trouble. But that, every time I read that, I hear that in my head. Dun, 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 dun. So, so Elijah prayed that it would rain, and it did. He prayed in faith, right? He prayed and said, God, I know. But he wasn't praying for something he wanted. He was praying for something that God told him to pray. How many of you know it's important to have dreams for the future? How many of you guys are dreamers? Anybody like to dream? And I'm not talking about sleep dreams. I'm talking about having dreams for the future, right? Some of us are saying, I just want to get through tomorrow, right? But we need to have dreams for the future. We need to have dreams of what God is going to do in us and through us. Even if you're in your 80s or 90s, God still has a plan for us. We talked about last week in Ephesians how Paul said that God created us in advance for good works that he planned for us, right? God wants us to do things. God has things for us. I love this this line Mark Batterson said in the book, seeding clouds is dreaming big by thinking long, and it starts with praying hard. Praying without planning is a waste of time, while planning without praying is a waste of energy. I like that. You know, back when I was in college, I grew up in a town about the size of Kearney in southeast Missouri called Cape Girardeau. And so, and, and we were kind of an interracial town, so, you know, I was used to these kind of things. But I went on a mission trip when I was in college to East St. Louis. Have any of you ever been to East St. Louis? It's one of those places you, <laughs> you turn wrong and it's like, oh, I'm in the wrong part of town. East St. Louis is across the Mississippi River. And the, the part of town we were in, 75% of the buildings were condemned. They were uninhabitable. But people still lived in them because they had nowhere else to go. And I remember, so we went over there. And we were working with a church in downtown East St. Louis. And they had a community center. And they did incredible things, guys. They brought kids in after school to tutor them. They brought people in to give them job skills. They could go out and get jobs. I mean, they were really reaching an entire community. And we were there one day, and we were just talking with them. And we always kind of had these ideas like, you know, well, if, if you need money, go get a job and, you know, go to work every day. They said, we have to train people to do that because they've never known how to do those things. They said the biggest thing they fight in that area is what they call the ghetto mentality. The ghetto mentality is where you say, well, my grandparents lived in the ghetto, my parents lived in the ghetto, I'm just going to live in the ghetto, my kids will live. We'll never get out of this. We're going to live the same as we always have. And they said, we have to teach them you can break that by rewriting your story with the grace of God. But they said, we have to teach them to set an alarm and get up in the morning to go to work because they've never been taught that before. We have to teach them you have to do your homework because no one has ever taught them that before. They've been stuck in this situation. They'll rent a house and the, the back door and the landlord doesn't fix it because they don't have to. And then they'll get a leak in the roof and the landlord won't fix it because they don't have to. Right? And so their houses get worse and worse and they just live in this. And so they have to get out of this. And guys, how many of you know some of us had that same theory with our spiritual life? I fought this habit my entire life. I'm never going to get out of it, so I'll just deal with it. I've had a bad marriage my entire life. It's never getting better, so I'm just going to deal with it. Right? We do these things, and we settle. And seeding the clouds is just simply having a God-sized dream for your life and praying for that and praying for that until we see it come true. Right? So how do we do this? How do we have these dreams? How do we seed the clouds with faith? Well, the first thing we have to do is hear his voice. Elijah said, I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now, I heard him in Sunday school, the high school Sunday school classes, when they were talking about hearing God's voice and doing something with it. How many of you have ever heard God tell you to do something and you were too scared to do something with it? I have, right? And so Elijah said, hey, I, I hear God saying it's going to rain. I'm going to tell the king that. 
And he didn't just say it's going to rain. He said, get in your chariot and go because you're going to get stopped by the rain. He believed it. He said, I hear it. So we need to start each day with the Lord. We need to try some silence. We need to try some silence in the morning so we can hear him. How many of you know you can't hear God's voice unless you listen for his voice, right? I mean, it sounds so simple. If I say, well, I really, you know, I'm not sure how my spouse is. You know, we don't really talk that much. Then start talking, right? Start listening. It's the same way with God. We have to hear his voice to listen. I love this. Uh, the English poet John Don said, I neglect God and his angels for the noise of a fly. <laughs> you ever been there before? You're praying and you hear something outside. Ooh, what is that? You ever seen that movie Up? And you know, the dogs all the time. Squirrel! I live that every day of my life, right? I am so distracted by things. I have to get alone and get quiet to hear God. French philosopher Blaise Pascal said, the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he doesn't know how to stay quietly in his room. <laughs> the sole cause of men's unhappiness is they don't know how to stay quiet in their room. Guys, if we want to have a great relationship with God, we have to learn how to spend time with him. And I know that's, this is a church answer, right? But that's what we have to do. We have to spend time with him. If I want to get to where I hear him, he can't speak to me unless I'm quiet. I mean, he can, but he takes extraordinary measures. He wants to talk to us. So we need to start our day with God. Then we need to learn to control our thoughts. We need to learn to control our thoughts. If I want to hear God's voice, I have to control what goes on up here. I love this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul's telling the church in Philippi, now, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is what? True and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How many of you know what we think about is what we end up doing, right? Garbage in, garbage out kind of deal. One study said there are over 60,000 thoughts pass through our brains every day. And some of you, it's way more than that because your brains run at warp speed. Some of us, it's a little less, right? But 60,000 thoughts. And you know what? They say 80% of them are negative. 80% of our thoughts are negative. So we have to learn how to change that. Work on, and I'm not, you know, this is not self-help, you know. But this is thinking about things that are good. Listen to what. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Listen to this. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We have rebellious thoughts, don't we? The problem is when we act on those rebellious thoughts. That's what gets us in trouble. So we have to learn those. That thing comes in. No, no, no. That's not true. I'm kicking that out. That's not right. I'm, I'm not doing that. Take those things captive. Paul went even further in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So if I want to hear God's voice, guys, I have to spend time with him. I have to learn to listen. I have to spend time in his word. And then I have to learn how to control what goes on up here so I can hear him. And guys, that comes through what we put in our heads that comes to what we learn and allow in our heads we had a young lady one time in a youth group when we were youth pastors and she was saying i keep hearing these voices in my head tell me to do things that that i shouldn't do and and then one day she came up she said i actually heard this voice audibly telling me something and so we started saying well what you know what are you watching what are you listening to and we started looking at her music collection and she had music that was 
satanic. She didn't realize it. We started looking on the back of the album and it had a pentagram on it. I said, well, here's part of your problem. So she started listening to better music, started listening to some Christian music. And guess what? These problems kind of started going away because it was what was coming in and what she was allowing in her brain, right? So we have to be careful. And then we need to start looking to the future. We need to look to the future. We need to allow God to put dreams in our hearts so we have something to look forward to in him. What is God wanting to do in me? What is God wanting to do through me? There was a study that was done one time. They talked to 50 people who were over the age of 90. And they said, if you have your life to live all over again, what would you do differently? There are three main things that came out of that. One, they said, I would risk more. They said, I would reflect more. And they said, I would do more things that live on after I die. I would do more things that matter. Instead of just surviving, I would look to the future and try to do things that really matter. So we look to the future and and instead of settling for what is, we start looking at what God wants to do with us, what God wants to do through our family, what God wants to do through our church, what God wants to do in our community. So we start finding things that we know that God wants and we start praying for those things. How many of you know God wants your family to serve Jesus? Pray for that. How many of you know God wants your neighbor to know Jesus? Even when they play music really late at night, keep praying for them, right? How many of you know that God wants our country to serve Jesus? Pray for that. Find things that you know God wants and pray for those things. Pray for those things. So we look to the future. So we see the clouds by hearing his voice. And then we see the clouds by godly persistence. If you have a toddler, you know persistence, right? I want a cookie. No. I want a cookie. No. I I mean, over and over and over and over again, right? We know that. So we have persistence. So we have to hold on to the dreams that God has given us. Hold on to those dreams that God has given us. I love this story in Joshua chapter 14. Oh, backstory. God delivered the, the Israelites from Egypt. And then they sent three or a couple spies into the, the promised land to see what it was like. And a bunch of them came back with really bad reports. Oh, guys are too big. We can't take it. You know, they're gonna, we're like ants to them. We can't take it. And there were a couple of them that said, we can do this. Let's go. And one of those tells this incredible story. Listen to this. He says in Joshua chapter 14, verse 7, I was 40 years old, Caleb said, when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report by my brothers who went with me, frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly what? Promised me. The land of Canaan on which you were walking will be your grant of land that you and your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised all these 45 years since Moses gave me this promise. So he's 40, 45 years. He's 85 years old at this point, right? Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today I'm 85. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. He's a scrappy little dude, isn't he? So give me the country the Lord promised me. You'll remember that the scouts who found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out just as the Lord said. What kept Joshua going all those years? Or, Jay, or sorry, Caleb. What kept him going all these years? That promise. That promise, that dream that God gave him kept him going all these years. How many of you know it would have been really easy to become bitter? It's your fault I'm eating the same thing every day for 45 years. 
it's your fault I'm out here wondering as we get older guys we start looking more at what was than what could be right we start looking more to the past than what God has for us in the future as part of aging so we need to make sure that instead of just thinking about the good old days we're praying for the now we're praying for the future we're praying for what God could do and can do and will do in us pray for what's to come pray for those dreams guys sometimes we get hurt sometimes we get disappointed and we stop dreaming we stop believing God can use us guys people are gonna hurt us that's just part of it right People are going to say things about you that aren't true. People are going to do things. People are going to say one thing and do something else. That's going to happen. But we can't stop dreaming of what God can do in us. We can't stop going on. And so then we dream and then we hold on to God's promises. We hold on to his promise. Caleb held on to that thing the whole time he was in the wilderness. Elijah knew that God told him, if you stop, if you pray for it to not rain, it won't. And then when you pray for it to rain again, it will. So we have to hold on to those things. Guys, some of you, God gave you a dream when you were younger. Maybe God gave you a dream when you became older. And you're still waiting for that thing. Keep praying for it. Keep holding on to it. I know we, uh, I was talking with a guy a while back. And, and I remembered back when I was younger, when I was in college, God gave me a dream. And God has fulfilled that. It looks a little different than what I thought. But God did that. And so we had to celebrate that thing, right? And, but we keep dreaming for what God has next for us, what God has next for our church, what God has next for our family. We keep looking because God is never finished with us, right? What did Paul tell the Ephesians? God has things he created in advance for us to do, right? He created us with a purpose. He wants to do something in us and through us. Guys, God wants to do things through your marriage. God wants to do things through your family, through your kids. God wants to do stuff in you and through you, but we have to keep dreaming. And so we listen to his voice. We hold on with persistence. Remember that story in the Gospels? Well, I'll, I'll talk about it here in a second. So then we need to pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. I love Pastor Rick at Christ's Place. He's one of my role models. I love this guy. But you know, one of the things their church says is their value bold moves they said we want to do stuff that's crazy big and guys we need to have that in our own lives we need to pray for things that are crazy big that only god can do right we need to pray for things that god can do in us and through us so we pray persistently how many of you ever heard of john rockefeller if you adjust his his wealth to like now he's one of the richest men to ever live i mean he was in the billions of dollars what he was worth his first job he got paid 50 cents a day as a bookkeeper and that day september 26 of 1855 is when he got his first job he celebrated that day every year as his personal holiday he called it job day for the rest of his life he celebrated the day i got my first job you know why it was such a big deal because he was in a boarding house he would leave home every day at eight o'clock and he would knock on doors looking for a job until he found one over and over and over he kept getting told nope 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 and then one day he got it he kept at it six days a week 36 days he did that until he found a job and then he celebrated every day because of that because he was what persistent guys if God has given you a dream in your heart you have to pray persistently 
In Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells a story. He says, suppose you went to a friend's house in verse 5. Um, at midnight, one end up borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. And I have nothing for him to eat. Suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for the friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will come. He will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I love that line. Shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Whoever seeks, find. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, guys, I'm not talking about just praying, you know, God, I really want a, a new Mustang. I really want a new Mustang. He's probably not going to answer that, right? Probably not. He, he might, but probably not. But if you keep saying, God, I want my parents to know you. God, I want my kids to follow you. God, I want to be a witness in my school. I want to be a witness on my team. I want to be a witness in my workplace. He's going to answer that prayer. If you pray for patience, guess what? <laughs> He's going to answer that, right? Because it's his will for you to grow persistence, right? He's going to give you an obnoxious coworker or something. It'll work. So we keep praying persistently. Elijah got down and said, hey, God told me it's going to rain. How many times did he pray? Seven. Go back and look again. Go back and look. And his servant was probably like, not again. But he kept going until he saw God do it. So we also pray boldly. We have to pray like we believe that God can do anything. Because guess what? God can do anything. Anything. One of my very favorite verses of all time, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul says, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Any, infinitely more. Guys, I remember I was 16 years old when I gave my heart to the Lord. I'd, I'd grown up in and out of church. When I was 16, I went to a youth group, and I met Christ. So I started reading my Bible. I found a Bible in the NIV version. I didn't know you could understand the Bible. I'd always had King James, you know, the ones that Gideon's give you. I could never understand it. So I went, I found an NIV student Bible, and I was like, this is amazing. I can understand this. So I started reading it. But I was one of those, that same kind of ghetto mentality. You know, I'm just going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I came across this passage one day where Paul says, he can do infinitely more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. And I was like, God can do that for anyone else. Why can't God do that through me? So I started believing that. I started praying that. And we still pray that. God, use us. Use us. Do something through us. In his book, The Circle Maker, Mark Batterson said, Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. That made me think a little bit. God's not offended by you asking for big, bold things. Lord, I want my school to know you. Lord, I want my workplace to know you. Lord, I want to reach this city for you. I want our church to reach our community. Those are bold prayers that we can't do on our own. Some of you have been praying for family members for years. Keep praying persistently. Keep praying boldly. And then we have to pray continually. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Always be joyful, never stop praying. 
Be thankful in all circumstances because this is God's will for you. He says, pray what? Continually. Some translations say unceasingly. What does that mean? It means don't stop. I love the book of Nehemiah. Because in the book of Nehemiah, you know what Nehemiah does? He prays all the time. All throughout the book. He just stops and prays. And that doesn't mean you have to stop, you know, pull over on the side of the road and, you know, close your eyes. You can pray while you drive. You should pray while you drive around here, right? <laughs> you can pray while you're at work. You can pray at school. We can pray continually because when we pray continually, we're also listening continually. Frank Laubach, he wrote this, or he did this challenge where he said, I really want to be in touch with God all day, all the time. And he said this, we will not become like Christ until we give him more of our time. That's pretty simple. We won't become like Christ until we give him more time. But guys, guess what? We're not going to be more like Jesus until we spend more time with him. Until we talk to him more. Until we listen to him more. So guys, if we want to believe for the future, for what God has for us, for what God wants to do in us and through us, we've got to be in prayer. We have to be in his word. We have to listen. All right? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. If you're physically able this morning, would you stand with us? If you're at home, would you stand? Father, we thank you this morning for the challenge in your word to believe for the future, to believe for what you have for us. Lord, we want to do the good works that you planned in advance for us. We want to win each day and, and do the things you have for us. Lord, we know we can't do that on our own. Lord, we want our families to be used by you. We want our marriages to be used by you. We want our kids to be used by you, our grandkids. Lord, we want this church family to be used to reach this community. God, we want to reach this world, and we can't do that on our own. We have to depend on you. And so, Lord, I pray all across this room today that you would start to birth dreams in hearts. Maybe people are here and maybe there was a dream long ago that's kind of gone dormant. Lord, would you revive that thing? Lord, for those who may be here and say, I don't really have a dream for what God wants to do with me, would you plant dreams in their hearts? Would you help us to learn to listen, to hear what you're saying to us? Would you give us dreams for our family, for our future, for our marriages? for our church, for our community. Lord, would you give us big, bold dreams so we can pray big, bold prayers. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know, I don't have this relationship with Jesus that you're talking about. I don't know how to hear him because I really don't know him. If you're watching at home and say, you know, I just kind of came across this on my feed and I'm kind of listening, but I don't know this Jesus you're talking about that's you, if you would say, you know, if I was being really honest, I would say, I'm really far from God at this moment. We just slip your hand up right where we're at. We want to pray with you today. So we're going to pray today. We're all going to pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Those of you at home, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. And if you pray this prayer and, and you really mean this, the Bible says you are a brand new creation. It says all things are gone. All the old stuff's gone. We're brand new. So would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus. Thank you so much for the love that you have for me. And I admit that I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me. 
ask you to come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you and make you the king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, the Bible says if you prayed that prayer, you are a brand new person. If you prayed that, would you come talk to one of us that are up here on the platform? We, we have a book we want to give you. I want to talk to you. If you're watching at home and you prayed that prayer, would you just send us a message so we can get that out to you? Now, if you're here today, you say, you know what, Pastor? I have a dream for the future that I want God to do through me. Would you just throw your hand up? I have a dream that I want to see God accomplish in my life. Awesome. Now, if you're here and you say, you know what, I don't have a dream, but I want one of those. I want God to birth something in me, something bold that I can pray for. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Yeah, we're going to pray today. And if you want to come up to the front, you're welcome to do that. If you have a need in your life, you want someone to pray for, you can come up front, we'll pray with you. But we're going to take a moment, we're going to pray this morning. I'm going to pray that God either emboldens that dream or gives you that dream. So, Father, right now, I pray for all those who responded today. Lord, for those who said, I don't have a dream, but I want a dream. Lord, would you plant dreams in our hearts? Would you plant bold, huge dreams in us to do things for you? Lord, I pray for those who maybe had a dream and it's kind of been pushed to the back. Lord, would you birth that thing again? Would you bring that out and give us bold faith to see you do those things? Lord, I pray for those today who have been hurt. Lord, I just really sense there's some here today that have really been hurt in the past and and they're afraid to dream because they're afraid of getting hurt again. Father, would you remove that today and, and just breathe fresh life into them and fresh faith into them today. Father, would you help us to see you do incredible things in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song this morning. If you want to come up for prayer, you're welcome to do that. You can come up. If you want to come lay a hand on someone's shoulder, come up behind them and pray for them. That would be amazing as well.